you said uh, God doesn't give us what we want all the time, but what we need. And you basically just summarized my sermon. So <laughs> thank you for that. Um, so Psalm 23 is where I want to talk out of today. Um, and also just want to thank you for having me back again. It's just a blessing to be here and um, always, always a blessing to come and, and either sit with you guys or, or share with you guys. So, so thank you for that. So Psalm 23, um, I've been thinking about this psalm for about two weeks now. And so what I want to do today, I'm going to read it and I'm going to focus on about focus in on about one sentence out of this psalm. Um, and if the Lord ever grants it, maybe I'll come back and, and finish the, the psalm with, with more, more sermons, but we'll see how that goes. So, so Psalm 23, David says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So yeah, again, I, I feel like a sermon could be preached on about every sentence in this psalm, which is the case with um, most texts in the Bible. Um, today, what I wanted to focus on is that, that beginning sentence where he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so, so what, it, what, what he means there is he's saying, I shall not lack. I won't be without provision. David is, is telling us with confidence that because God is his shepherd, he knows that God is going to provide what he needs. Um, we find in John ten fourteen that Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And so um, I think what we can understand from Psalm 23 is all of these, the comfort, the blessing, the promises that come from Psalm 23 we can have these same promises. These, we can apply these to ourselves because of the gospel. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross that has made these things in Psalm 23 accessible to us. It's because of God sending his son, uh, Jesus dying on the cross for us, that we can now enter into a, a relationship with God of sheep to shepherd. So, so that would be one of the first things I'd want to encourage you with is when you read Psalm 23 and other Psalms that you would remember that it's um, this David saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And him speaking about this special relationship he has with God. David's not able to do that because of how good of a person he was or because he had it all together or because he, he didn't stumble or struggle with sin or, or uh, because he was. Uh, the perfect Christian. Uh, if you look at David's life, he was a messed up dude and he had um, stumblings, multiple stumblings, um, one very big and famous one. Um, but he was just, he, he not only struggled with sin, but just in his own life, his own family was just a mess um, for a year, for, I'm not sure what the time period was, but for a long period of time, his own son was 
pursuing, trying to kill him and had bands of men together trying to kill David, his father. And so David's life was everything but perfect. Um, but yet, because of God's grace, because, because we, we have a God who relates to us on the basis of grace and not on who we are and what, what we have, uh, David was able to say these things. And so, again, it's the gospel. It's, it's the work of Jesus on the cross um, that has made the, the spiritual realities and the comfort that comes from Psalm 23 applicable to us and attainable by us. It's because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross for us that we have access to the comfort and encouragement that is in Psalm 23. So I just wanted to start out with that because I know, like you're, you, you shared about temptation, and, and there's things that we're all coming in here with, whether it's temptation or, or, or whatever weaknesses we're coming in here with, where it's easy to sit down and you hear a sermon about that seems like it's coming from David, who's this righteous guy, and, and uh, mentally we can kind of check ourselves out and say, well, what he's about to say probably doesn't apply to me because I'm struggling with this or because I did this or because uh, I had this in my life or that in my life. And uh, so I wanted to get rid of that at the beginning by just saying that it's, it's not you and what you've brought to the table today that makes Psalm 23 applicable to you. Or, or able to be received by you. And, and the comfort in it, you can actually have it because Jesus has made it freely available. Now, if God set Psalm 23 up here and said, this costs uh, you, if you want to have these promises, you must 100% be obedient to my law and 100% be righteous, which he does require. But, but if, if that was the case and he left that burden on you, then yes, we should all check ourselves out and say, well, this can't apply to me. But that's not the case because that is the price tag on these promises and on this comfort. But Jesus has come in and paid that for us. And so so I hope that helps you open your ears to to hear some of these things um, for yourself. So so again, he says, I shall not want, um, meaning uh, I I will not I will. God's not going to let me go um, without having what I need. Um so Hebrews 13, 5, if you want to turn there. Hebrews 13, chapter 13, verse 5. Um, so he says... Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. But I think that the, the writer of Hebrews and David in Psalm 23 is saying a similar thing. Where they're coming from a confidence of knowing who God is or knowing his character, his goodness, his faithfulness enough that they can say, David saying, I shall not lack. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. What shall I fear? What is there to fear? He's basically saying that what, you know, if we have fear of man or fear of anything, when we compare that to the faithfulness of God in our lives and the relationship we have with him, there's really nothing to fear. And so like the psalmist here is saying that since we have God, the relationship we have with God is one of a shepherd to sheep. A shepherd feeds the sheep, guides the sheep, protects the sheep takes care of them. He, he finds when they have they get parasites or things that need 
they need cleaned of. And it's the shepherd's um, uh, obligation and responsibility to take care of the sheep. Um, one thing about human beings is that uh, I think we find in the Bible, we find in the scriptures, and we find in reality our own experiences is that God did not create us to be self-reliant and self-sufficient creatures, independent from him. He didn't create us to, to, uh, to have it all together on our own apart from God. God created us as creatures who the only way we can function properly and do what we need to be able to do is when we are 100% reliant on God, our creator. So sheep, uh, I think the Bible uses sheep to, uh, compares us to sheep often because sheep can't take care of themselves, but they need endless attention and meticulous care. So sheep constantly need care. They're, they're, uh, they're a little bit dumb. They're not on the, the brightest side um, as far as the animal kingdom goes. And so I think there's a reason that God often uh, compares us to sheep and him to a shepherd, because like him, in our weaknesses and in our sin, we're constantly going astray. We're constantly needing corrected. We're constantly needing fed. We're needing protected from wolves. We're needing this and that. What David came to realize, and a lot of people uh, would think that this Psalm 23 was actually written at, toward the end of David's life in his older years, when he was able to look back at his life and see how God had provided for him all these years throughout his life. Um, but, but like sheep, we need, we, need, we need that constant meticulous care. But what David, what David realized in Psalm 23 that you see is that um, he, he, he came to realize that this was at the end of his life when he wrote it, that the burden wasn't on himself to provide for himself. He came to realize that the, the obligation for his well-being is actually not on his shoulders, but it's on God's shoulders. And, and that's something that the Lord has to teach all of us. And I think we're all in a process of him teaching us that more and more that this isn't about me and what I have to bring to the table, but it's about God and what he's brought to the table in Jesus for us. And so Dave, that's, that's a place of rest. Um, the book of Hebrews the, the first four chapters especially talk about rest, that what God has provided for us in Christ is rest. So rest is when we, um, w the first picture, the first uh, moment where we see rest in the Bible is in Genesis when God creates everything. On the seventh day, he rested because everything was complete. It was finished. It was done. There was nothing left to do. And so in the same way, because of who Jesus is and what he's accomplished for us, what God has provided for us is a seventh day of rest where as Christians, when we commit to following Christ, we're not committing to a, a life of, uh, of work and labor to eventually attain righteousness. We're actually entering into a seventh day. We're entering into a, a place of rest where we actually sit down um, and recline because all that needs to be done for our spiritual well-being has been accomplished in Christ. And so that's why Ephesians 1, Paul says that we've been seated with Christ in the heavenly places. That Paul actually says when a believer comes to believe in Christ and, and be identified with Jesus, that their spiritual condition is actually one of sitting down and resting. And so what that means for us, again, is, is that I think that's why in Psalm 23, David can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. All these truths, I think, are wrapped up in this one simple 
this one simple sentence where David is, is uh, I think, preaching the gospel really by saying God is, is going to provide what I cannot provide. He's, he's, he's the one who's responsible and obligated for my, my spiritual, physical, and emotional well-being. And it's not up to my abilities, my performance, what I'm able to bring to the table, um, but it's, it's up to God and his goodness and his faithfulness. So, um, to live in self-reliance instead of God-reliance is like a lamp trying to work properly without being plugged into an outlet. It wasn't made to work that way. The only way we can live and function properly is by plugging into the right source. So, again, this is a simple illustration that I thought of. But if you a lamp, when a person creates a lamp, he doesn't create it to uh, to just light up on its own. It, it, he created it and designed it in a way that it has to be plugged into a source in order for it actually to work properly. In the same way for us, God did not create us to function properly on our own. He actually designed us in such a way that we have to be plugged into him as our source if we want to function properly. When I say function properly, I'm, I'm saying that we, we all want to live in a way where we have peace and joy, our lives, our lives have purpose and meaning, we're, we're living righteously, we're walking in obedience, we're being good fathers or mothers or, or, or wives or husbands. We all want to function properly in life. And God says that, that the way he's designed it, the way he's designed us is that the only way we can do that is if we plug into him as our source. So, again, sheep need constant meticulous care. So sheep, by nature, they need a shepherd. And we, by nature, we need a shepherd. And the good news is, is that we have one. Um, so God is our provider and not ourselves. So a couple scriptures that we see this very clearly. One is Matthew 7, 9 through 10. And you can turn there or not. I'll just read this little section. Um, Jesus says, which of you, um, if his son asks for bread... We'll give him a stone or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. So if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So when Jesus was teaching about prayer, one of the primary things I see and there's there's a chapter or two where Jesus has multiple little moments of teaching about prayer. He's teaching how to pray, he's teaching what prayer should be like, what it should look like, what it is. One of the core things I see Jesus trying to get across to people is this concept of rest, of, of, uh, of confidence in God's provision. That in order to pray properly, we have to come to God not with a, a beggar mentality, with a uh, sort of a wishful thinking like maybe God hears me, maybe he likes me, maybe, maybe if I beg, beg enough, plead enough that he'll maybe someday help me. Jesus says we, we can't come to God that way. We have to come to God with a different mindset, a mindset knowing that, that if, if we as fathers, human fathers, like if my son comes to me and asks for uh, bread, I'm not going to, and, and he's hungry, he hasn't eaten for several hours, I'm not going to go and, and walk outside and grab a rock off the street and say, here you go, um, eat this. You know, that, that's just no, no good father on, on the planet is going to do that. And so if we as human fathers, what Jesus is saying, if, if we as human fathers who are sinful and broken 
if we know how to respond to our children's requests by giving them good things, then how much more does God, our Father, the one who created us and loves us, the one who came up with love, you know, the idea of love and care, um, how much more does he know how to give good things to those who ask him? And so, again, you see in Matthew, in this scripture, Matthew 7, 9 through 10, Jesus is trying to encourage us and get us into a place of rest and trust and reliance on, on God's provision. Um, Matthew 6, 7 through 8, he says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. <clears throat> Pray then like this. And then he goes into the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven. So Jesus says, one, don't heap up empty phrases. And I think how I've applied this in my life is I've seen at times where when I come to God in prayer, um, I come with that beggar sort of mentality. Really what I do is I come in unbelief. I come to God with unbelief thinking he's not really good. He doesn't really like me. Probably He's probably annoyed that I'm asking him things again. Um, he's distant, he's cold, he doesn't really care. So I just have to beg enough. If I ask enough, if I repeat myself enough, maybe someday he'll hear and he'll help. If I, if I just annoy him enough, you know, that's kind of the mentality. I just got to ask over and over. Again, Jesus says, don't heap up empty phrases. Like don't just pile up words upon words, thinking that for some reason, if you get enough words out there, God's going to look at that and say, well, finally, he's reached his quota of words. And so I guess I have to respond now. He says that, again, that's just not correct. Like, that's actually the way that unbelievers, that people who don't know God, they don't have an intimate knowledge of who God is. That's the way that they think about prayer. That's the way they think about God. And sometimes I, I, I've struggled with that in the past, with praying that way, coming to God, not as my father, but as a um, uh, just a distant being that I have to beg and plead with to want to help me. So he says, don't be like them for your father knows what you need before you even ask him. So before we even say a word and ask for what we need, God is already fully aware of what we're going to ask. Not only, not only what we're going to ask, but he's already, he's intimately involved and aware of what's going on in our lives that he knows exactly what we need before we even ask. And so he's not hesitant to provide what we need. Um, he's, he's, sometimes he does wait for us to ask. But he, again, this is, we see Jesus here, I think, trying to get us to a place of rest and confidence in God. That, that same place that David was in where he could say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. A place of confidence in the goodness and, and loving character of God. Um, and so in the Bible, you see so many times it says, God will tell us, do not fear. Um, some, someone said that that's in the, that phrase, do not fear, is in the Bible 365 times, which would probably depend on the translation. I don't know how accurate that is. But it seems, that seems interesting that um, enough times to match the, the amount of days in the year God has told us in, in his word, do not fear, don't be afraid. The reason he can say that, the reason he does say that to us again is because of this, this truth of who he is. God can tell us, do not fear, because he is perfectly good. First uh, John says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And so God is so perfect in his goodness and his thoughts and his desire for our own well-being that, that um, for those who are looking to him, there's no reason to have fear. And so over and over, he can say to us, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. 
Um, We can confidently say, I shall not want, I will not be in need because of who God is and what his character is like and because of our relationship to him. And again, if we are evil and if we know how to give good gifts to our own children, then how much more does God? Um, And so again, this comes back to Hebrews 13, 5, where he says, the Lord is my helper. What shall I fear? What can man do to me? And I think you can take out the word man there and you can insert anything, anything that um, you, you are experiencing in your life that is causing pressure, that's causing anxiety, that's causing fear, burden, trouble, whatever it is. Take that word man out of that sentence and insert that trouble into there and say, the Lord is my helper. What shall I fear? What can this circumstance do to me? What can this fear do to me? What can this, this, whatever it is that's for you personally, you can put that in there and say that and apply that to yourself. So here's, here's kind of the kicker with all this that some of you might be thinking, and I know I've, I've been thinking about. Is Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not lack. I shall not need. But when I read that, the problem is like, well, wait a minute, because I need a lot of things. Like, I feel like I lack a lot of things that, that, I, that I don't have. Um, and what's interesting is that if you continue in Psalm 23, the, the very person who wrote the words, David, who wrote, uh, I shall not want, just a few sentences later says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. If you're in a valley of the shadow of death, I guarantee you, you, you're lacking many things. You're lacking uh, light. You're you're lacking life and and peace and joy and, and comfort. And you're lacking a lot of things in the valley of the shadow of death. You're lacking things that you, you feel like in those moments you need and that God is not giving you. But again, what David was able to say, I think looking back at his life is that even in those times where we are lacking and we seem, it seems like God isn't giving us what we need. He's not giving us the things that we, we, we need for our well-being. David was able to say, even then, I know that God is with me. And so I don't have to fear. Um, this, this is really, uh, we, we see Jesus walking out this truth, I think, in the temptation in the wilderness where... He was going for 40 days and 40 nights without bread, without food or water. And Satan came to him and said, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Um, I think basically Satan was trying to get Jesus to look at his circumstances and to move out of a place of trust and dependence on God and get into a place of self-reliance and say, wait a minute, I don't have what I need right now. I'm lacking the, the, the things that I need for my well-being. I better do something about it. I better provide for myself. And that's what Satan is all about, is to shift from a place of saying, I'm, I'm in the wilderness. I don't have bread and water right now, but God is my shepherd. I shall not want. He is faithful. He will provide. To move from that place of childlike faith into a place of, oh, wait, I don't have what I need right now. I don't have bread. I don't have water. I better do something about it because God obviously isn't going to. He, he's not going to do it. And so I think that's what was at the heart of what Satan was trying to get Jesus to do is to move into a place of fear, move out of a place of confidence and, and reliance on God into a place of self-reliance and unbelief, really. A place of unbelief in the goodness of God into uh, uh, trying to provide what God had promised to provide for him. 
And so that's the same with us. So we, uh, like Jesus, don't always have what we need. Like sometimes God, that, that's kind of the, the confusing thing about Psalm 23 that I've been kind of wrestling with and, and want to kind of talk about here at the end is that we don't always have what we feel like we need. Uh, we don't always have the provision. We, we don't always feel like things are, are going the way they should be. And what we find in Psalm 23 is that actually it seems like the shepherd is the one who led the sheep into those moments. It's the shepherd who is leading the sheep into the valley of the shadow of death. As the sheep was simply trying to follow the shepherd, the sheep was finding himself, David was finding himself in a valley of the shadow of death. And so oftentimes, even when we're following God, we find ourselves not having what we feel like we should have from God. And so this is kind of where I think the, the concept of having to walk by faith and not by sight comes in. Um, some, of the, some examples would be David, uh, again, who, who wrote this psalm, but David spent years of his life being chased by Saul, the, the king of Israel, who was trying to kill David. And so David had to live years of his life in, in caves and in the wilderness, running and fearing for his own life. And not only that, but then again, his own son um, was pursuing him. And so David had years of his life where he, uh, God was a shepherd, but he, was, he, he had needs. He had a lack. He, he didn't have safety. He was lacking safety. He was lacking a home. He was lacking a, a, a acceptance by, by people around him. And so David had need. But again, there's, there's, there's a reason that, that I kind of want to get to. I'm kind of leading up to something here. But there's a reason that David was still able to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Even when he was able to look back at those times, years of his life, where he was wanting. He was wanting and in, in, in need and lacking. So another example, again, is Jesus in the wilderness. Obviously, Jesus was lacking. We see Jesus lacking there. Um, Jesus and the apostles promise us, they promised us multiple times that we will have trouble, uh, which means that we will find ourselves in situations where we are lacking. If Jesus promised you will have trouble, what that means is that we're going to find ourselves in situations where we are wanting, we're, we're in need of something that we don't have that's causing trouble. And so, um, again, in the very same psalm, the, the, the psalmist finds himself in the valley of the shadow of death. And so when he says, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. Like, what does he mean? What is he really getting at? That's, that's kind of what I, at, at the heart, the, the core thing I wanted to get across today is, is what is David really trying to communicate? Um, obviously, but not based on other scriptures, but, but based on the psalm itself, we know that he doesn't mean we're never going to, we're never going to go without having a need for something. We're never going to have anything that we um, are in need of and lacking. Obviously, he doesn't mean that because we see in the scriptures that's not the case for, for any believer, that, that there's, there's almost lacking and having need is actually the norm. Um, actually, in Matthew 5, Jesus said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Well, if you're poor in spirit, that means you're lacking a joyful spirit. You're lacking peace in your spirit. He said, blessed are those who uh, mourn, blessed are those who are sorrowful. But he basically said, blessed are those who are lacking. Blessed are the lackers. Blessed are those who don't have it all. And so what is he trying to say in Psalm 23 when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack? Um, because uh, obviously this isn't a contradiction. There's, I think, a deep truth here. So 
I think you got to the heart of what, what it means. Uh, one good way of looking at it is that God gives us what we need, uh, not always what we want. He gives us, I think, and maybe an, uh, another way to say that is that God gives us what is good for us. God will always, what he promises is that he's going to constantly always be faithful to give us what we need, but, but what is good for us. So one of the Psalms says that um, no good thing, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Um, and so sometimes what God knows is best for us in, in, in my life, some of the, the darkest, deepest moments of need and lack have been the best moments that have been the times that have turned out to, to change my character and change who I am and, and transform my whole life for the better. And it's those times of lacking that actually have done that. And so uh, what I think one thing that we can, we can uh, solve this problem of, of Psalm 23, this seeming contradic- contradiction, is by realizing that God is going to always, what David knew is God is going to always give us what is good for us. God is always going to give us what we need. Um, now, here's where I think it comes back to Hebrews 13.5. So if you're still there, Let's look at this again. Hebrews 13, 5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. I think he's just answered. He's got to the heart of answering the the problem and solving the problem of of how David can say in Psalm twenty three I will not lack but then all throughout the scriptures we see those following God lacking here's here's the solution he says keep your life free from money be content with what you have why why should we be content with what we have well he says here's the reason you can be content with with whether you have lots of money or no money at all whether you have all that you need physically or whether you're lacking. The reason is because he has said to us, he has promised, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. If we go back to Psalm 23 now, where he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I shall not lack. I think what's at the heart of what God is promising us there is not health, wealth, and prosperity, but he's promising us himself. He's saying, the, I am your shepherd and there will never be a time in your life where, you, where I will leave you or forsake you. That's, I think, what David came to understood is that he may go through times where he is wanting, he's lacking, he's lacking physically, he's lacking emotionally, he's lacking things that he feels like he needs. But what David came to realize is that never, looking back at all the years of his life, even in the valley of the shadow of death, God was with him and, and God promises, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And so when God says, when, when, when we can say in Psalm, from Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Really what, we, what we're saying, what's at the heart of that is God is my shepherd and he is always with me. He will never leave me and he himself is my provision. If I'm lacking, if everything in life is taken from me, like Job, like it was for Job, God is with me and he is enough. And he is all I need. And so I think at the core of what's being said in Psalm 23 is that that Christ himself, Jesus himself, 
is, like Jesus said in John 6, I am the living bread. You know, I am living water. I am, uh, in Colossians, Paul will say that you are complete in Christ. And, and he'll say that uh, God was pleased to have all of his fullness, all of the fullness of God dwells inside the person of Jesus. And then Jesus lives in us by faith. And so if we have Jesus in whom all the fullness of God dwells and he's in us, then we can lack everything in this life. We can lack every material thing and still have everything, really, when we stop and think about it. And I think that's why David could say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Um, I think there's definitely truth that God does. He knows how to provide for our physical needs. He knows how to provide for our emotional needs, and I think he wants to. This isn't saying that God is uh, careless and that he doesn't care about the physical needs that we have or the, the things that we're going through. The, but, it, but it means that at the core of it, at the end of the day, I think God's ultimate goal is to get our hearts to a place where, yes, he wants to provide those things for us, but sometimes he has to withhold those things so that we realize that those things themselves are not really truly what we need. What we really truly need is God himself. Uh, the, the one thing, the one thing Jesus told Mary, the, the story of Mary and Martha, which I'm sure you're familiar with, where Martha was distracted with many things, but Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet listening to his word. And, and Jesus told Martha, you're distracted, and you should be basically saying you should be more like your sister who's found the one thing. He said there's one thing that's needed, and Mary's doing it. And so there's one thing for all of us that we need. And I think there's one thing that David realized he needed, and that, that, that was that it's the presence of God in our lives. It's, it's, the, it's knowing intimately, God, hearing God's voice and knowing him personally for ourselves. And that's why I said with, uh, with, with Hebrews 13.5 that I think the way that we can apply this to ourselves is by taking scriptures like this one I've read, Hebrews 13.5, the Lord is my helper. What shall I fear? What can this situation do to me? Um, I think the way we encounter God's presence in our lives, the way we encounter God as our shepherd, the way we encounter Jesus's presence, one of the primary ways is through taking hold of his promises and his word um, and, and grabbing onto them and applying them to ourselves. Um, that's again why Jesus said in the wilderness, he said uh, his reply to Satan's temptation to get him to, to turn stones into bread, he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so when Jesus found himself in a place of lack, the way he connected himself to the truth that God was still with him and God was his provider was by grabbing hold of a, a Bible verse out of the book of Deuteronomy and throwing it back in, in Satan's face and saying, you're saying this, but, but this is what God has said. And so I think when we do that, what it does is it activates faith in our hearts that connects us to God. Um, faith is kind of the, the, the avenue by which we, it's, 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 it's how we connect to God. It's how we experience these things. It's how, we, it's how we go from having this knowledge, a head knowledge that God is my shepherd and I know this in my head, to we actually, by faith, when we embrace his promises for ourselves, it takes that knowledge and puts it in our heart to where it actually it actually does something in our lives. It actually, it actually produces something inside of us and around us. Um, and it, it brings God's kingdom in our lives. So God doesn't promise constant physical provision and prosperity. 
but rather he promises constant spiritual provision and prosperity in Jesus. And so, so again, I, th- I think what I would want to do, what, what I hope, if nothing else to accomplish in this, is just to encourage you guys to take like Psalm, Psalm 23, to take scriptures like that, and if there's one piece of encouragement I ever give to people that are coming to me with, with problems, with temptations, with fears, with anxieties, with burden, whatever it is, is to say, go to the scriptures, find, find a promise that God has spoken in his word that you can take and grab hold of and claim that for yourself and say, God has said this. I feel this way. I feel like this is the truth. I feel like my, re- I feel like my life is, is going nowhere. I feel like I'm, I'm, there's danger and there's nothing hopeful in my future, but God actually says this about my future. He actually has these promises for me. And so I think like, like David did in Psalm 23, learning to grab hold of those and, and apply them to yourselves. And, uh, Psalm 23 is a good place to start. I think, um, I, I think, uh, I've been using that for about two weeks now when, when, when something comes in my mind or heart, the fear or, or temptation or whatever it is, grabbing hold of that one simple phrase saying in my mind and in my heart, just saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And so that sometimes I don't feel that, you know, it's not like I feel these sparks and, and fireworks go off or something, but there is a simplicity of, of choosing to say that over and over in the midst of being in circumstances that seem to utterly contradict that. But you continue by faith to say, this is what I'm feeling, but this is what God says. And you choose to believe that what God says is above what you're feeling and experiencing. So one last scripture that I want to end with that really summarizes, I think, everything that I said is Philippians 4, 11 through 14. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I think Paul here in Philippians basically explains and, uh, uh, expounds on what, what David meant in that psalm. Again, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack. Here's why. For I have learned to be content regardless of my circumstances. I know how to live humbly. I know how to abound, um, how to lack and how to have all that I need. I'm accustomed to any and every situation, to being filled and being hungry, to having plenty and having need. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The the strength that God has given us is not always going to be the strength of having things in our life. We can't always count on things to be there to provide for us. We can't always count on other people. We can't always count on circumstances. We can't always count on anything in this life. But, but what Paul, like David, came to realize is that there's one thing, not, well, not a thing, there's one person that we can constantly, 100% of the time, rely on. And that is the person of Jesus and, and our relationship to God through him. Um, it's, it's, it's not my always having what I need that gives me strength, but it's Christ who gives me strength. And so... Um, it, it's not, it's not my going without physical, emotional, and, and, and whatever other lacks we're experiencing. It's not have never having those times that gives me strength, 
but it's God himself that gives us strength. So, God, I just pray that you would uh, take these truths and that you would apply them to each person's life in the way that they need. I pray for um, encouragement, Lord, and, and that whatever you spoke today, God, that you, would, that you would accomplish your will, that you would set people free. Pray that you just teach us, Lord, how to walk by faith, um, to be like Jesus, who was in the wilderness with lack, but who was able to still walk by faith and confidence in your provision. Just teach us to do that, God, and, and uh, thank you for your love for us and help us to, to love you in return. In Jesus' name.